Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Good morning. You forgot to say it. You forgot to Happy say it. Happy Friday. Thank you. Thank you. I've been waiting all morning just to hear it. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Me too. <laughs> I'll bet. Um, enjoy your weekend and happy Friday, everyone. We've got a great guest list today starting at 835. Tim Thomas joins us. He is the president and CEO of the Phoenix Police Foundation. We'll explain what they do. But we did a great event. They, I was very honored to be asked to do this. I was kind of the moderator slash facilitator of an amazing conversation about leadership and policing. It was a great crowd that was there, and it was so informative and so good. Uh, we asked him to come on the show to talk a little bit about it at 835. At 9.05, Jennifer Meller, uh, Chief Innovative Officer from the Greater Phoenix Chamber, is going to join us to talk about uh, shortages in construction, how it's affecting both the housing and commercial and industrial markets in Arizona, and what's being done about it. So that happens just after 9 o'clock. So we do start here with the economy. Yesterday, we brought you a story that Goldman Sachs is saying that they believe that Phoenix is one of four markets in the country that they have an expectation that we're going to see an increase in real estate costs, prices, but then a pretty sharp decline. So there's two in California, up in San Jose in Northern California, San Diego in Southern California, and then Austin, Texas, and Phoenix, Arizona. Interesting that when you hear these uh, hear these stories, people and I don't blame people for getting concerned. The biggest purchase most people ever make is the purchase of a home, and uh, the idea that you know you're this is the American dream. It gains equity. You have all that equity when you get older, and you can use it for other things, and it's it's security. Um, but what happens if you buy a home and then the floor falls out? Kind of like what we saw in '08. So uh, KTAR.com, head over there. This story is by Kevin Stone, and it says, here is what Valley economists are saying about the possibility of a Phoenix housing market plunge. So uh, just some of them, Jim Rounds, uh, Tempe-based Rounds Consulting Group, said the economic fundamentals are completely different now. He said, we're going to continue to have growth. This is what he told uh, KTAR News. We're doing a great job adding employment opportunities for people, and, I'm, and, and so I'm not nearly as worried. So ignore that report for now and expect home prices to come down a little bit more slowly. Uh, Danny Court is an economist with uh, with LED Pollock and Company, and we've had uh, everybody, I think, in town has heard of Mr. Pollock, uh, said the projection of Phoenix isn't off base, but he sees it as a correction, not a crash. He said, I don't think anyone thought we were going to get good deals in 21, and we may see prices fall to the 2021 levels where housing prices were still fairly high. Um so, uh, again, uh, the concerns and the possibilities of what worry people, and the question then is, why? What are people worried about? Um, and what's fascinating about this is how, how we respond. In, uh, in Arizona, what happened in 08 with that crash, and I love going back in my mind to that time because I remember being on the air in 09, 2010 as we were trying to climb out of these things. And at the time, Governor Brewer was in office and having to deal with what was a major, major crisis in uh, the economy in Arizona. A per capita, Arizona in the worst place financially as far as per capita debt in any state in the country. And they really had to make some difficult decisions at the state level that angered even a lot of Republicans, And but they had to do them. And I think, you know, in the moment when things happen, uh, we react the way you would. But history kind of dictates what those decisions really were all about and how they were, uh, what they really meant. And I think history has been kind to Governor Brewer and should. I, I think she was able to stop the bleeding in the Arizona economy. And then um, when, and I've not hidden my respect for what Governor Ducey has done in 
in the state of Arizona. And you've always got to give credit also to the legislatures because you work, see them work together. And even more so in the last few years as it's narrowed between Republicans and Democrats that they've really been focused on economic growth. But what is also what they've also done as part of that growth is get out of the way. Some deregulation, which I love. And also tax cuts to make sure that the job creators can keep more of their own money. Here's a headline. IRS alerts taxpayers they must answer a new question on tax forms or face consequences. Um, The IRS issued an alert on Tuesday reminding them that they must report all digital asset-related income and answer a new digital asset question on their 2022 federal income tax return or face consequences such as delayed refunds or even penalties. So um, it said the 1040 forms this year, the agencies replaced the term virtual currency with digital assets in addition to some other modifications to the wording. The yes or no question, which was expanded and revised this year, at any time during 2022, did you A, receive as a reward, award, payment for property or services, or B, sell, exchange, gifts, or otherwise dispose of digital assets or financial interest in a digital asset? The reason why I bring this up is um, finding new ways and you know, increasingly, I don't know, I guess invasive isn't the word, but they're always looking for ways to increase revenue. We know that there's a tax increase that's coming. We know that we've got thousands of IRS employees being hired. Now, there's all this question about whether or not they're all going to be agents, but we know that they're arming the IRS. We know that the IRS and training videos that have been leaked out show that they're not going after major corporations that are cheating on their taxes. The training video we saw was training new employees and how to take down and take into custody. In this case, I believe it was a landscaper that wasn't paying his income taxes properly. I think everyone has to pay their fair share just like everyone else does. I don't think anybody believes you should live in this country for free. We just have different opinions on what fair is sometimes. So I want you to think about how the economy is hurting some people right now. Here's a headline. Americans fall behind on car payments at a higher rate than 2009. Looking at just that headline without even digging deeper into the story, um, for yeah, we just had Sonny Borellian, who I think is the majority leader in the Senate, in the Arizona State Senate, um, and the plans they have to try to repeal taxes in the state. And now it's cities levy these taxes, but they want to outlaw these taxes on the necessities such as food from grocery stores, not restaurants, not fast food, but uh, purchased at a grocery store, cooked and eaten at home. They want to eliminate taxes there, and they want to eliminate taxes on rent. You don't pay a tax when you pay your mortgage, but if you're renting a piece of property, there is taxes levied on that rent. And they, you know, cities will find a way to make that revenue up some other way, but to say to people the necessities aren't going to be taxed, any opportunity to put a few bucks back in taxpayers' pockets at a time when the economy is struggling for a lot of especially working class families doesn't sound like, not only does it not sound like a bad idea, it sounds like the prudent thing to do. We fight in this country about tax cuts. Because it's always the rich. And if you look at the stories about the tax cuts in Arizona, largely it was a windfall for the rich. But what they ought to have is a caveat next to that. 
It's because the rich pay so much more in taxes. I had a conversation with someone yesterday, very successful business owner, and I'm not going to even talk about what industry he's in, but he's a, he's a very interesting guy. And um, uh, every time I get a chance to talk with him, I do. His name is Eric. I'm not going to give any more details. But um, anytime I get to talk with him, it's just fascinating in the industry he's in and the world he lives in. And we just happen to start talking about taxes and what we pay in taxes. And he he, he owns a business, and it was interesting. He said, and he said, I've ne- the biggest checks I've ever written in my life, not houses, not cars, the biggest individual checks I've ever written in my life were to the IRS. That is a huge amount of money taken out of the American economy, and that's all I want to say about it. Now, I don't know what his financial situation is. I know he does pretty well, but I have no idea what kind of money he makes. And But to hear someone say that and you think, well, what – there's so many different directions to go with that statement about, well, first of all, what does the government do with the money we give them? They, they certainly are not efficient with it. And it, I don't think people are lazy. I don't think people are bad um, in general. I think it's a part of a system that is so big. When you're talking about trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, things like this happen. But when Americans are hurting and the economy is hurting working class families, giving anybody a little bit of their money back seems to be a reasonable thing to do. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond says banks have cut off its credit lines. We know what that they are going through a very difficult time in that business. And so there's so many of these headlines um, talking about consumer spending and inflation data due in Commerce Department report. And we're going to find out more as everybody says the economy slowed in the fourth quarter of last year. And we're going to see what happens in the first quarter of this year. But we talk in big numbers. I do the same thing. We talk in big, broad numbers and statistics. But there are individuals that are dramatically affected by decisions that are made by made by leadership. I just don't think now is the time to raise taxes. We've seen in the past that lowering taxes increases revenue. And so it's hard for people to explain this. So if you listen, and I'm not calling this a lie, it's just to me a mischaracterization. The Trump tax cuts added to the deficit because spending cuts didn't go with the, but it increased revenue. This is the difference. It didn't cut revenue. So it wasn't as if there was a decrease in revenue when the tax cuts happened. If you go and look and, and check, fact check me. I love fact checkers. Go and look during the Trump administration. Go back and look. Every month, every quarter, we saw an increase in revenue into the Treasury. Headlines almost every month, every quarter that there was a new record set in revenue into the Treasury with tax cuts. So it isn't an income problem. It's a spending problem. In a moment, Tim Thomas joins us, president and CEO of Phoenix Police Foundation. Going to be an interesting interview, so stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Oh, the day I was born. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. As always, happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. I had the true privilege of being a part of an event last week with the Phoenix Police Foundation, and it was a it was a um, 
I guess, a conversation, a panel discussion on leadership in policing with some of the most brilliant minds in policing that are in the state of Arizona. And I would even respectfully say after listening to them speak across the country and they did such a fantastic job of not only explaining what they do, but how they work together to improve policing around the state of Arizona, facilitated by the people brought to the put on by the Phoenix Police Foundation. Joining us right now is their CEO, Tim Thomas. Tim, uh, again, I want to thank you for letting me be a part of that great event. Oh, Mike, thank you for being there. It's uh, kind of fun to think just a week ago at this time we were right in the middle of it. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing event. And uh, I wish we w- I wish I wish I had known how good it was going to be because I would have put you on to talk about it beforehand. But I want to kind of recap a little bit of what you and I learned. Can you talk about, first of all, why you wanted to do this important event and what you think the people in that room learned? Yeah, so we wanted to put this on because we thought it would be interesting for the the public and business leaders to hear directly from our leaders in law enforcement about the challenges they face, um, their leadership uh, styles and abilities, and the importance of partnerships. And, you know, I I left a corporate job to, to run the foundation a number of years ago, and I learned quickly that... People in law enforcement, they could be doing something else. They could be making a lot more money, but they chose this career uh, in service, and I just have the utmost respect for them. And I I knew going into this it was going to be good, just like you said, but uh, it was really the panel that made it fantastic. And and just um, hearing their observations and what they go through every day was just amazing. Yeah, and when the uh, special agent in charge from the FBI field office here in Phoenix, uh, Akil Davis, when he spoke and was was talking about major event security and all that goes into it and the um, the scenarios they go over and how they work with local law enforcement, I, I mean, I knew what they were doing was difficult and great work, but it was amazing to hear him go into some of the details of what they're doing to protect people with major events like the Super Bowl and WM Phoenix Open and you know even Barrett Jackson and the other car auction that are going on yeah that that was very interesting and it was also uh interesting to hear the different perspectives from the federal level from a kills perspective and then from uh chief sullivan you know the time lapse and what the fbi does to uh look for criminals and violent crime and and all the targets is is really kind of much broader and the Phoenix Police Department and local agencies, they're more spot on and reactionary, but they still share information and they have to work together to really protect the public. And I think that was something that uh, the feedback I received from our guests was I didn't know that or, wow, I was surprised. Um, and so there's definitely, I think, walking out, there's a little bit of an education gap with the public on what um you know, our law enforcement officials are doing out there, and I think we can do a better job of helping uh, do more of these to to educate the public on, on these amazing leaders in our departments that protect us every day. Can you connect the dots for me on what the Phoenix Police Foundation does and how it connected with this event? So the foundation itself, we, we really go off of the three pillars, fund, honor, assist. So we help fill gaps where there's unmet capital needs. Like, you know, we made the cadets – uh, if people wanted to, this wasn't really a fundraiser, but if people wanted to contribute to our future leaders like the cadets, we allowed them the opportunity to do that. And that's a program that the Phoenix Police Foundation helps fund. Um, we also focus on recognition. And uh, when bad things happen, we are there to accept donations and make sure 100% of that goes to the family. So we're really there. You know, we're 
um, we exclusively support the Phoenix Police Department, but we are a separate entity. And um, we saw an opportunity here to, to help educate and bring together um, these leaders. So that's why we did it. Yeah, Tim Thomas is with us, president and CEO of Phoenix Police Foundation. So how many people involved with the Phoenix Police Foundation are officers or former officers? And how many of them are civilians that just want to be a part of, a part of supporting policing? So we're, we're a very lean organization. Uh, I'm the only full-time employee. We have a part-time employee, but we have a lot of support from the department. Um, so we, we really want to stay lean and, and raise as much and mm-hmm. put as much money as we can back into our program. So that's really our focus. And if people want to support us, um, we've got a great event coming up, our Honor Run third annual uh, which uh, is going, the proceeds from that are going to go to help build a memorial wall in the new police headquarters that's planned. So yeah. just another example of the things we're doing. What's interesting about it as well, you mentioned the cadets in that we are, we've talked, I talk about it on the air a lot. Every time I speak to someone in police leadership from any agency in Arizona, we're always talking about recruiting. We're talking about trying to get young men and women interested in the profession. You've got a pipeline of, what is it, 42 right now young people that are, are, are cadets that are looking at this, that are, are moving down that pipeline to someday being police officers, that's got to be critical and you really support that. Oh, definitely. And that's why we had, uh, I think we had seven or eight cadets attend the event so they could listen and they could learn because they are our future. And, you know, recruiting and staffing is, uh, we're at dangerous low levels and the department is figuring out ways, um, like with the cadets, you're right, it's a pipeline because you can't be an officer until you're 21. So now you have these civilian jobs like police assistants where they can step in until they turn 21. And uh, Sullivan also talked about these really cool programs like SkillBridge with the Department of Defense where service people can come and work for the department um, for a period of time and, and get trained up. Um, 30 by 30, which is an initiative to uh, you know get 30% female officers by uh, 2030. Uh, so some really cool initiatives yeah. around the challenges that they have with uh, staffing. Before I let you go, can you please let people know if they would like to learn more about your organization or support it, especially if they'd like to support it and the great work you're doing? Can you let people know how they can reach out to you? Yeah, I would say phoenixpolicefoundation.org or Google Phoenix Police Foundation. You'll find us, and we've got uh, a wealth of information out there. And, again, we've got our honor uh, run walk coming up in March, which is a really cool event because it's it's very unique. But I won't take the time to uh, look at the website, and uh, you'll get all the details. But I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thanks again, Tim. I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. uh, That is the Phoenix Police Foundation. Gatos joins me in a moment. It's our big Q poll question of the day. So please stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday. Big Swole. How's it going over there? Uh, Are you getting another haircut? No, I got my hair did just the other day. I got some uh, pay tribute to a teacher this morning. Oh, nice. I love that program. I love that you guys do that. It's a great program. You know, we deliver a $2,500 check to a teacher, and, uh, you know, we do, we're we able to do it personally now this year, which is great. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got one of those big, uh, like, six-foot checks. Yeah. You know, we walk, I sneak it into the, I sneak into the classroom and I pop it on the teacher. It's fantastic. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I have a question for you. All right, let's hear it. Netflix. Mm-hmm. This is my cue. All right. Netflix is going to start cracking down on uh, subscribers who share their password. Right. And they say they're going to do this by March. So I'm asking people, which one are you? 
uh, A, I have my own password. B, I use someone else's password. Or C, I gave my password to someone else. Uh, I've got a lot of streaming services, yeah. and I Netflix is the only one that's my password. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I got somebody else's Hulu. I got somebody else's whatever. <laughs> or uh, I've got Peacock. It's somebody else's. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have. I'm one of those people. I have my password. That's it. You know, but I, I, again, I live alone. But yeah, I don't share my password. I think it, I, I just don't do it. You don't share your. You're not a sharing person. I'm you, not, you know, you don't I'm not like a giver. People, that's why. Not a giver. You're not a giver. Right. I've said that for a long time. <laughs> you gotta give me your pass. Give me one of your passwords no. to give to everybody right no. now. Nope. It's like big swole ninety two three. Yep. Yep. All right. Listen. <laughs> have a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you. All right, thanks. Uh, the uh, Big Q poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.